Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Hello, and welcome to the Sound at Heart podcast. Today, I'm Dave Clark joining you. Jeremiah is taking the day off. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into Albert Rusnak, the man, um, and a little bit of how he plays. For an expert on that, I went to somebody who might have more shared knowledge of the Seattle Sounders and Real Salt Lake than any other individual in existence that doesn't work for either team right now. Because obviously, Craig Weibel, Garth Lagerway, Freddie Juarez, uh, they know a little bit about both teams. Uh I'm bringing on Matt Gash here to the Sounder at Heart podcast. You know him from his time at Sports Radio KGR, the Seattle PI, SoundersFC.com, and most recently, uh, Director of Communications for All Salt Lake. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's such a different world we're living in anyway right now. And, and uh, I had a little bout with COVID a couple of weeks ago. Ooh. So still, still dealing with a bit of the foggy brain. But other than that, uh, everything's doing all right right now. Thanks, Dave. How are you? I, it's great. It's uh, my favorite thing. My personal favorite thing about the Albert Rusnak signing is it's an excuse to do a podcast with you again, uh, because I think uh, we did the Sounders FC official podcast, something like Sounders Roundtable, or yeah. uh, I think is the creative name we had, 2011 yeah. to uh, 13, somewhere in we that We had era. the marketing wizards working around the clock on that name. Yeah, very creative. So uh, it's a little flashback moment for for Matt and I. Um, when the Sounders sa- signed Albert Rusnak, uh, obviously we've done deep dives into his playing style. That's up at Sound- uh, Sounder at Heart. Um, one of the things I thought that you might provide some insight into is uh, his transition to Real Salt Lake. You were there for that. Um, and then we'll just talk about who he is as a person and of course, his playing style, because uh, more important than anything else, uh, this is a Sounders team built to earn more than 60 points. And uh, as it's done 2002 to the present, it competes for multiple trophies every year. So that's uh, Albert said that was a big reason why he came here because of a multiple trophy attitude. Uh, Salt Lake obviously targets the playoffs and has done a fairly strong job at that historically. But uh, there's going to be a little bit more pressure on him than ever before on the field. So, for I guess first off, uh, how's he relax when he's not on the field with all that pressure that's going to be on him? What what types of things does he do? You know, he's a. It's funny. He's he's a. He's become. I've seen him evolve because he got here at 21 years old, um, mm-hmm. and he was. Um, I would say very much a 21 year old in the prism of has has been a professional soccer player for at this point you know five six years uh and played in multiple leagues uh his dad was a professional so he he grew up kind of around the professional game um and just a completely different 
sorry, there's a fight going on in the Kraken game right now. I got that <laughs> in the corner here. So uh, <laughs> um, got a little distracted, but um, you know, he's, he was a, from day one, just a professional um, took care of his body, took care of uh, everything he needed to do off the field to make sure he's ready on game day. Uh, and kind of throughout the process of his time with Real Salt Lake, you saw him evolve into uh, a bit more of a leader on the field that way, uh, in the locker room that way. Uh, off, you know, off the field, he's a friendly dude. He's a, uh, you know, he'll be the first one to come and, and ask how your weekend was. He'll be, you know, uh, the first one to give you a hard time about <laughs> said weekend. Uh, uh, he just... Uh, a friendly kind of uh, good locker room personality um, good with the, all the staff, um, which I, I, I really can't say enough about how he was with, with the staff, um, you know, a little kind of uh, inside of Matt Gashk here. Um, my kids live in Mississippi. Um, they, they come out here every summer to Salt Lake to, uh, to visit. Uh, there was one summer where, um, I was talking about how many miles I had and how many I needed to get my kids <laughs> to fly out to Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. And he donated miles to me, gave me his air miles as someone who traveled internationally, you know, four or five times a year with his international duty and, and everything we did with Real Salt Lake. The guy had more miles than he, than he'd ever, you know, he'd need a few lifetimes to go through all his miles, uh, gave me uh, some of his miles just to fly my kids out. Uh, to make it a little easier and give me a little more uh, ability to show the kids a good time when they got here. Um, that's the ha- kind of guy he is. He's, he's, um, he's very much in a different, uh, I'll say financial stratosphere than someone working in communications. Um, uh, but he doesn't make it seem that way in his actions and attitudes. Uh, does one of the kids have a, a rest accuracy at least? I've seen a, you know, a couple of Mondos enough, on them, but uh. I know, I know. I'm trying to think. I think, I think the only player jersey they got from Real Salt Lake was a Plata jersey. Okay, yeah. and that was maybe as much a uh, again kind of backstory when we moved ah. from Seattle to Salt Lake. Uh, I was showing my kids uh, Real Salt Lake on FIFA, and Henry, who was all of uh, he would have been eight at the time started laughing when he saw Plata on the field. He thought it was a glitch in the game. Because he was so small. Because he was so small. And when I told him that that's, no, it's Joao Plata, he's, he's a short guy. He's uh, five foot three. And he just started laughing. And he was, and he became like obsessed with this little guy that plays for Real Salt Lake. Um, you know, unbeknownst to Joao, I, I, I had uh, Henry take a picture with him a few times just to show him like you're taller than, you know, one of your favorite uh, MLS players now. Over time, yeah. yeah. Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, Albert's uh, locker room presence. He mm-hmm. went from not a captain, and then over the years, obviously, um, Beckerman's uh, armband basically yeah. faded. Uh, were you surprised when uh, Albert was uh, the one that became the next kind of captain in that era? Um. In some ways, yes, and others, no. I think um, over the over the course of the last maybe year or two with Kyle Beckerman, um, he was 
without a doubt, the captain of the team, um, everything kind of filtered through him. Um, but at the same time you had guys, um, like Albert and Demir and Natum, uh, who had, um, kind of adopted, uh, kind of this kind of secondary leadership roles. Um, and the team responded to those guys really well. Um, I think, uh, you know, up to that point, you'd had guys as well. Uh, you think of guys like Chris Winger, Nick Romano, obviously, um, Ned Grabovoy. Uh, there'd been players throughout that time that had been kind of those secondary leaders uh, or even, you know, kind of sharing that leadership um, position with Kyle. Um, when Kyle retired, it, it had it did create this massive void uh, in the organization, but I kind of related it back to when Casey Keller retired. Um, and it was, there was one sense of how do you replace kind of an irreplaceable leader? But at the same time, it just gave guys opportunities to expand their voice a little bit and takes away, I think Seattle went through this with, with Casey. I think um, Real Salt Lake went through it with Kyle as well, where to a degree, you just become deferential to that person as the leader and creating it to no fault of their own. And through kind of, they deserve that sort of pedestal and that, that, um, that respect. Um, But it also creates a situation where, where players are, are more able to, um, kind of spread their wings in that regard. And you saw that with, with, uh, with Albert and with uh, Demir Krylak in, in uh, Real Salt Lake's locker room. And I think to a large degree, um, if Demir had been given the armband, he would, he was kind of uh, one that he doesn't need um, title as much. It wouldn't have meant as much to him as it would to Albert. And he's, self-aware enough and aware of kind of the dynamics of the team enough to know that I'm going to do what I'm going to do, regardless of whether or not I have the armband. If he has it, it gives him this little extra carrot to step up his, um, his leadership in the locker room and, and a little bit more, um, he'll feel a little bit more respected by the organization, by the, um, by his teammates, um, and that maybe means a little bit more to a young player who's working his way up than a veteran who's been captain at two previous clubs. We saw that a little bit with the, when Freddie Montero um, was given the armband on a few occasions, it was specifically right. as a, as a way Siggy uh, when Casey was out or whatever mm-hmm. uh, would give it to Freddie Montero to be like, Hey, you're building, you're developing, you're part of this leadership group. And today is your day to be centered. And mm-hmm. it sounds like there was a little bit of that, um, in fact, coming from another player in this case, where uh, th- that kind of vibe to help Albert yeah. take that step forward in his career, where he went from being a hot prospect to now a national team player and mm-hmm. somebody who's in the conversation as an all-star level talent with, within MLS. Like mm-hmm. seeing him develop from from that you've, you've watched him grow on the field. Uh, I'm going to shift a little bit to that field element. Mm -hmm. He's played slightly more on the left than the right. 
but about 80% of his time is right up the gut. Mm -hmm. um, out here, it, do you think that he's more comfortable left, right? Obviously center, he's most comfortable, but right. there's a Raul Rui Diaz and a Nicolas Lodero, and no offense to Albert Rusnak, but he hasn't made the best 11. Um, right. He hasn't been an MVP finalist like Nico. So he might have to, he might have to go wide. Uh, do you think there, there's a, a preference for him about his style of play left or right? I think he's better on the left. Um, part of that is, is it oh, just opens him up to the, to the, to the box, to the, to the attacking areas a little bit more uh, as a right footed player and a little bit um you know, I, I don't have the statistics to back this up, but it feels like uh, the left side, uh, oh, sorry, the, the uh, defensive right side needs to be a little more defensive in this league that most teams are putting their more attacking, you know, outside back or, or winger. Uh, you've got, I feel, I feel at least like you have much more defensive responsibilities Um on the right side, on the, on the defensive right side than you do on the left side. Um, and that plays into, into his, um, his talents a little more. Um, he is, uh, he's, a, he works on, on defense when he's asked to. Um, but if, I mean, taking your, one of your better attacking players out of the attack and, and asking him to be a defensive minded winger is, is, um, a little counter to what you would hope from that player and what that player's frankly paid to do. And he's, uh, it's not like he's Clint Dempsey on defense. Right. Or, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, he, he can contribute. Um, mm. He's not going to sit up there on an Island and, and wait for the ball to get back to him. Right. Uh, when you, uh, you talked a little bit uh, about uh, in the locker room and on the field and his leadership, how about a, uh, Albert, the person, I'm going to frame this a little bit different. Um, you know, the C, the greater Puget Sound rather well. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me about some neighborhoods or um, suburbs where you say that's an Albert Rusnak space, uh, Rusnak space, sorry, uh, where, a... where he might hang out. Uh, uh, and because I don't know, my Salt Lake City neighborhoods, I only know because Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, not I uh, hang I hang my head in shame and local. Well, we always talk sports. We don't we don't talk right. about the neighborhoods. So um, I, I don't want to use those metaphors. But um, yeah. you know, it it wasn't a surprise that Casey Keller eventually settled in South Mercer Island, and it's not a surprise that um, Marcus Hanneman's out in Clee Ellum. Right. Brad Evans as a Kirkland guy. You know the the Belltown group that was there for so long. Um, so just kind of uh, you know. I would have. I said, got the impression that he's kind of a quieter at home person. Yes, uh, you know, in in a lot of ways, I hope nobody takes this in an, as a negative. In a lot of ways, he reminds me of Freddie Lundberg in how he carries himself. Um, he's very to himself. He's very uh, privately, at least, um, but also not not uh, kind of. Uh, afraid to or or um he, he gets out on the town a little bit not not i don't mean that in a you're not going to read about him in the tabloids or anything like that but um 
you know, yeah, he's a married fella with two kids. He likes to take his wife out to a nice dinner every now and again. Um, you know, I, I, I reached out to Albert when he signed and said, two guys you need to get a hold of to get to know the area better are Steve Zakawani and Brad Evans. Um, those are two guys that I think um, in a lot of ways reflect who, who Albert is in different ways um, that, um, you know, Steve went through his younger phase where he was more the bell town crew. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I could see Albert enjoying himself there. Uh, I, I think of him more kind of in that kind of Kirkland, the Brad Evans, like, like Kirkland area. That like that kind of north northeast portion of yeah it. yeah okay that kind of makes sense it's kind of funny because uh i asked him at the press conference and just straight up i'm like who did you contact to help figure out where to live and he goes yeah. all of that was taken care of well before today because i knew i wanted my family settled and no worries about that and for so my first day of practice mm. I was no longer thinking about where to live. I was only yeah. thinking about soccer. And I'm like, that was kind of an insight into his personality. Yeah. It wasn't the answer that I expected. I'm like, yeah, Craig right. Weibel, you know, Freddie Juarez, you know, uh, Kellen Rowe, he played with for about a right. half season, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and then obviously MLS players have this circle where yeah. they get to know a few guys on other teams that they've never played with. So I thought yeah. we'd get one or two names, but it was like, it's yeah. all sorted. My, my kids I'll know where they're going to school too. and I having, having, kind of, having kind of watched that a little bit from the outside when, uh, when Freddie made the move up there, um, I, I, I was kind of asking Freddie the same things of who are you talking to? Who's, who's kind of, and he gave very similar answers. Seattle does a very good job of, of, of kind of that in indoctrination, the, the inclusion uh, they they do a very good job when you get to Seattle to uh, at least on the soccer side to to, to work for uh, Seattle Sounders FC you are in, engulfed in the job and someone else is handling all that for you uh, at least from the, the limited experience I have from talking to people on the outside about it they did a great job where that becomes uh, so so much a, a non-issue that uh, you know, and I should say with Garth as well, I think, uh, you know, years and years ago, I, I talked to Garth ahead of uh, ahead of his interviews with Seattle. And uh, that was a, <laughs> I gave him a lot of, uh, I'll say, interview prep ahead of his, his interviews in Seattle. It was it was uh, entertaining. You're the uh, mole. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> when he came back to Salt Lake after his interviews, I, I, you know, I I wasn't sure how well I described everyone. And gave in giving him his uh, what to expect from each of these people, and he's like, I felt like I knew every single one of those guys for years, even though I was just meeting some of them for the first time. So I felt really good about that. I don't think that uh, won or lost the uh, uh, one. I don't think that won the position for him. I think a, a lot of other things probably played a hand in that, but uh, if that helped his transition, I'm happy about that. It's uh, it's funny that those Salt Lake connections have been, have been pretty strong and this kind of solidifies them. Um, that org is uh, about to kind of level up a little bit with the new ownership group, particularly with their, their secondary owner and his very strong connection to Salt Lake city. Um, and in, in, in some ways uh, 
losing such a great player like Rusnak might not be as big a deal just because they get to reboot almost all at once. Uh, they they still have Demir Krylak. They still have Aaron Herrera. They're still a good team, but they're taking steps to basically reassess and reestablish who they are right now. Um, on the Seattle side, 60 points last year, best offense ever in 2020 for the Seattle Sounders. Uh, and you added a guy who's one of the top four or five chance creators in MLS over the last five years. I mean, I was again, talking with Freddie uh, over the last few days and I was, you've got to be frightened if you're any other team in the league, looking at the front four and then knowing the two guys behind them in Joao Paulo and, and Christian Roldan, the defense that was among the best in the league last year as well. Uh, Brian Schmetzer's got a lot at his disposal this next year. And I'm really excited to see what Seattle's able to do with it. And selfishly what Albert's able to do with it. Yeah. It's, it's nice for you to, you have a, another a returning connection to the Sounders in some ways yeah. with Albert, uh, obviously Freddie Montero, when he came back, that's somebody that right. you knew quite well and you watched him mature. I just realized I need to, I need to clarify. I was talking with Freddie Juarez about that, not Freddie Montero. Um, <laughs> the, Let's go some, for some projections. You talked about that front four. Um, one winger is Jordan Morris, who was an MVP finalist in 2020 and made mm-hmm. the best 11 that year. The, cent- the probable center is Nico Ladero, who was an MVP finalist and the best 11. Raul, two best 11s. Jao Paulo, an MVP finalist. Christian, Yebar, and Nuhu all made all-star games. Um, Fry's made all-star games. Alex Roldan made the all-star games. Uh, we go down the list of the, the Sounders right. talent. So you have this spectrum from not quite an all-star. Like there might be one not quite an all-star that's starting to best to all-star to best 11 to MVP. If you were to project Albert in this kind of group surrounded by this talent, he, he was at 11 and 11 last year. Uh, just missed both of those. To be honest, the All-Star game was at the end of the year. He's probably an All-Star, but he had a really slow start in 2021. Um, where do you see him on kind of that spectrum? Not quite All-Star, All-Star, flirting with that best 11? Well, it's funny because you, you talked a little bit about the pressure of going into uh, into that organization that, with, that has such high expectations. And I almost go hard the other direction that, I think there was so much pressure put on him in Real Salt Lake to be the man. And now in a situation where he doesn't have to be the man, uh, where he's, where he's, the expectation is to be a contributor to this uh, overall um, team atmosphere of that has players that are, as you mentioned, best 11 uh, MVP finalists, uh, those caliber of guys uh, you bring a, a guy who is um, kind of a, a, I would say fringe all-star as, as much, be, I think, you know, without getting too into the weeds on it, I think as much because he was, he was in Salt Lake, uh, the market, um, as anything else, uh, you know, his numbers are comparable to uh, so many players uh, throughout the league who have been all-star uh, players, but uh, you know, just in terms of, of his five years and you, you, that includes uh, a 2020 season 
that was not highly productive for him. And, uh, and a good chunk of the 2021 season that was not entirely productive for him um, from a statistical standpoint. Um, And he's, he's right even with where Javier Morales was in his best five year stretch in MLS. And that's a guy who was kind of perpetually all-star best 11 caliber player and certainly highly thought of here in Salt Lake Uh, combined goals and assists for uh, Javi in that best stretch that he had Uh, 32 goals, 47 assists in his best five-year stretch. Albert has 41 and 39. Uh, 80 combined goals and assists for Albert, 79 for Javier Morales in a similar uh, stretch of time. He's as good a player as Real Salt Lake has seen. Uh, And now throw that into uh, another team while he's still in his prime, still producing, had arguably his best season overall last year. Um, it, it sets up for what could be a very uh, – adding to what's a, what is already a very explosive team, um, adds so many different dynamics. To, I think take some pressure off of Lodero, take some pressure maybe off of, of, of Paolo to, uh, to maybe play those uh, – play their roles a little more uh, – I don't want to say conservatively, but with a little less – impetus that you have to be the man that gets it done today if we're going to be successful uh, all right you're starting to hype me up for the sounders which is not yeah. something you've had to do for a long time right um, uh one last thing albert on the field because uh, you mentioned his five years uh, year one he was much more of an assist guy mm-hmm. and then he became a scorer over time mm-hmm. um what was kind of the fuel for that was it just who he was partnered with the, or was there kind of a skill that he improved on that enabled those numbers to shift? I think a little bit who he was partnered with. Uh, he came into a team that had Yuram uh, Sissian as, as the forward who um, Albert had a lot of respect for him. Um, maybe was, uh, I keep using this word, but maybe a little deferential to him in the attacking third of knowing I get Yura the ball. Uh, he stays happy. And, and, and that makes yeah. my job easier. Um, I think as time progressed and his role uh, became more of a um, kind of uh, flashpoint for, for the Real Salt Lake attack, I think um, he took on a little bit more goal-scoring goal responsibility. I think to an extent he uh, maybe felt a little more empowered on free kick opportunities to take them on goal. Um, maybe felt a little more empowered to take a PK. Um, and little moments like that that started to compound. And then suddenly you have a guy who's, uh, you know, in Houston down, down, uh, <laughs> down a goal and you need a goal in stoppage time to equalize. Instead, he scores two to win the game that's what you saw kind of in his progression was um, the willingness to take over a game and put the team on his shoulders and say, we're going wherever I take you, as opposed to I'm going to give the ball to the guy who's going to take us where we need to be. It it sounds like he'd be comfortable as either a low touch forward or attacking player. Those those guys that don't need 80 plus touches. Uh, We've seen those like he'd be comfortable doing that. Um, 
And then we've seen the high touch guys too. I I feel like he prefers the ball more. Um, You know, I, I think just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about what Marco Papa's role was in that Mm. 2014, 15 era team um, where he is just so clever with the ball, so creative and, and able to get the ball where it needs to be and take things on, on his own. Um, where uh, it maybe doesn't have to be a volume thing, um, but it's but he's certainly better when he does have uh, more of the ball. It's interesting um, because uh, the way the Sounders are, Jordan Morris doesn't need to be a high touch right guy. Yeah. Like he can change the game with ten touches. Raul yeah. Raul can change the game with one. We saw that yeah. at Austin <laughs> last year. Um, so it it Nico um, Christian Jao Paulo, those are all high high touch elements, but I think there's probably room for a fourth guy in, in that 80 plus touch per game. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that's kind of where those four would be the ones that you would expect right now. Not, not what none of us have watched any of their practices right. yet, but when they're fully functional um, it's, those are the four where you're going to see lots of well, intricate. I think, and, I think a good part of the beauty of that team is um and and this is where the 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 fun comes for Brian Schmetzer is it almost depends on what defenses are going to take away, and it's pick your poison defensively of who who of that front four are you going to take away or 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 shadow your defense towards, and whoever you do whoever whichever direction you go with it, there Seattle's going to go the opposite way. And they're going to put if they're if that means putting the ball on Jordan Morris's feet more, they're going to put the ball. I mean, who better in the league, right? <laughs> right, and then you'll have a poacher like Raúl can poach, just yeah. hover there, and um, Albert's fairly strong from distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, do you have anything else to say about Albert Rusnak as we wrap up, so you can get that third period of uh, the, the Kraken? <laughs> Oh, they're just starting the second. That's okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Albert, I, I, I told him a lot of times, and I, and I believe this to be true. Uh, I think Seattle fans are going to love him as a player. They're going to love him as a person. Uh, I think he's going to – it's such a great fit for him, uh, such a great landing spot. Um, you know, he he's a hard worker. He's a, a guy that's going to get you some uh, – international recognition uh, as a guy who's still active with his team in Europe um, with his, uh, his national team in Europe. Um, You know, he's a fun guy. He's a guy that will, uh, that will uh, make the locker room a better place. Um, And he's a guy that will raise the level on the field. Um, You know, you couldn't ask for a better addition. Um, I think so often in this league, we see designated players come in, um, and you're not sure you, you have what you hope you're going to get from them. Um, but the adjustment to the MLS level can be, uh, it can take time. And for some, it never comes. Uh, Albert's a guy that, you know, uh, has, uh, has adjusted to the league has shown what he can do, uh, in, I would say multiple different, um, roles of expectation. Um, and, and, He's got, I mean, he's been a captain. He's been a 21 year old coming into the league for the first time. He's been, um, you know, uh, 
an all, if not an all-star kind of on that level and, and one that um, is more than willing to elevate his teammates in, in lieu of kind of celebrating his own successes. Um, I, I think we've seen that so many times with, um, with the success Demir Krylak has had with Real Salt Lake that his number one cheerleader is Albert has been Albert Rusnak. Um, it's, it's just such a, I think it's just such a great addition for Seattle, uh, for the club, for the fans, uh, for the whole organization. You got to be impatient. we got a home game out here only a month or so away because of the CONCACAF Champions League. Right. Um, so I might, now I might have to check the flight schedules yeah, for that. One. I'm even more excited for that. Um, Matt Gash, who's joined me, Dave Clark, here on the Sounder Our podcast. We're basically going to wrap it up there. Um, you can follow him at Matt Gash. I figure out how to spell that when Sounder Heart uh, tweets it it's out. It'll be a lot easier spelling. there. Yeah, the traditional <laughs> spelling of Matt Gash. Um, thanks a lot. I, I When all of this happened, I, I reached out to you, I think, immediately and said, I, I, we need to have a chat again because, uh, again, nobody knows Seattle and Salt Lake combined um, better than you unless they're currently in the Sounders front office. So, um Appreciate your thoughts on, on Albert Rusnak. This has been the Sounder Podcast. I'm Dave Clark. That was Matt Gash, and thank you.